Doing all right. Doing um, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. My Ithaca vacation, like I told you. Was this your dad, like, spinning the globe and deciding a random spot again or just pulling out a map? Or what, what was the point of Ithaca? Actually, this was me. I, um, so I don't know if you've heard about them. I discovered them on TikTok. It's called, like, the Buttermilk uh, Falls. I, I, don't and... t- I don't TikTok. Okay, yeah, I know, but like, you know, I guess it's a famous state park, so I don't know, maybe, I thought maybe you had right, heard yeah. of it. Yeah, and apparently, like, a lot of people go there and stuff, so uh, I saw it, like, multiple times on TikTok, and I was like, oh, you know, we should go there, and my, like, parents really like waterfalls and stuff, right. so they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll go to Ithaca, whatever, discover and stuff like that, um, so this was all my doing, and yeah, it's just like, like I was telling you, the town, the nature is beautiful. I'll give them that. The nature is beautiful, but the town is like miserable, nothing really to do. And it was cold. Like it was really I mean, cold. I mean, A, it's a college town, so it's going to be kind of dead with sure. school as an obsession to begin with. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're recording this on September 2nd right now. Uh, it's a full yeah. moon and it's getting to be that time where the further north you go, it's going to be cooler. Right. I, I hate Ithaca, though. It's mm-hmm. so creepy. No, yeah, that was that was not a definitely. Yeah. Not. So yeah. Uh, I I told you this story. I guess we'll I guess we'll tell the uh, yeah the now because I mean, <laughs> you think it's so funny. I don't think it is. Um. All right. So what? So when I was uh, going into twelfth grade, so between eleventh and twelfth grade, uh, my mom and I drove upstate to look at some colleges. Uh, and we did, you know, I, I looked at Skidmore, where I wound up going. I went to, um, I think we looked at Syracuse, Hamilton. Then we made a stop and looked at Ithaca College. So um, first off, we drive into Ithaca, and we'll, we'll say it's late afternoon, early evening. Let's say it's 5 o'clock, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like between 5 and 6 o'clock, we're driving down this road towards, our, towards this hotel we're supposed to be staying at. And I remember thinking, okay, this is a weird place to have a hotel. Why, like, why aren't we staying in like the town center where there's actually stuff to do? This was way off the beaten path, maybe like a 10, 15 minute drive outside of town. And driving down the road on our left, there's like the lake, river, whatever that big body of water is by Ithaca. Mm. Driving down and I'm like, this is weird, this is weird. And all of a sudden up on our right, there's the hotel. It, it was, someone had taken like an old Victorian or an old farmhouse or something. It, it was a property with a barn on it. That much. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Um, so you get to, you get to the house. It's, and it's weirdly structured too. this house. There's like, you get to the front, it's like the front desk. It's like the Mater D stand, a restaurant. Then behind them is this really narrow staircase that goes up. Then you walk into another room. There's a TV room. Then you go down this random hallway where there's a bunch of rooms. It's weird. Um, and the decor this place had not been touched since the late 70s. Yeah. It was like all these weird porcelain and, and antiques, and I don't know what they were going for. But right. the barn on the property was converted into a restaurant. And this is what I was telling you about earlier, and you were dying laughing at it. There was the one server there was a European dude. Like, I'm going to ballpark guess he was like maybe Romanian or Croatian. 
had yeah. had a black goatee that was just too perfect. <laughs> it was too like I was like, okay, this guy spends way too much time on his facial hair, and it shows. And and he was he was doing that kind of butler stance, like even like when he wasn't writing down taking the order, he was in that constant butler stance of standing and kind of having one hand behind his back or both kind of walking almost in like a servant's march we'll call it <laughs> and i was convinced i was like 17 18 years old when this is happening i'm like this guy was easily someone's assistant or manservant and then escaped during a revolution and probably caught some bodies along the way because like, I, I never saw him smile once he was super official yeah when you um when you were telling me you were like uh it was something out of straight out of a Stephen King novel it, like dude it literally I was just picturing the shining the entire time you were I, telling me it this wasn't the, it wasn't the shining it was like the shining-esque imagine the shining but with the pet cemetery house oh no yeah yeah like it was it was weird Oh my uh, God. I got maybe two hours of sleep that night just because I was so freaked out by the house and I have not been back to Ithaca since. Yeah, like, uh, guys, I was telling uh, Josh this when he was telling me this story. Like, I was picturing this perfectly and I wasn't even remotely sur surprised that this happened to him because it, it is, it's a creepy town. It's creepy. So, yeah, definitely I'm you know, my mom saves everything. Like she's kind of a hoarder when it comes to personal yeah. effects and receipts and stuff. Like, I, mm -hmm. if you go into a one of the filing drawers in my parents' living room, if they if it's still even there, there's a whole folder that is mine and the siblings' artwork and like schoolwork from like second grade and earlier. <laughs> so if she if she still has that, odds are, you never know. She might still have the receipt from that place we stayed in. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really, I'm curious. So you got to share that with us if you yeah. do. Yeah. All right. Anyway, we got a lot to cover today, folks. There is drama in Yankee land. Drama, drama, drama. The soap opera between the Yankees and the disgusting, stupid Rays continues. Man, I was watching hockey while this happened. I'm so mad at myself. Sorry, say that again? I was watching hockey while that was, was going on. There wasn't even a good hockey game on last yeah, night. Yeah, the, the Islanders and Flyers, bro. That was, that was a fluke high. game. No one cares about the Islanders or the Flyers and the Canucks. Well, they won, so we're happy for them. Yeah, let's go Canucks. Yeah, so um, anyway, so the reeling Yankees, we'll get to their performance in a second. But last night, um, things got a little chippy playing the Rays. Uh, Kevin Cash because a few of his guys got thrown inside, he goes ahead and accuses us of throwing at them. Uh, so, Lean, you've watched um, – I am I watched John Boy's breakdown since. I'm assuming you have, too, and you've kind of looked at the footage of everything. What's your take on everything that happened? So, okay, like I said, I did not watch the game live, but I did – and I didn't actually – I haven't seen John Boy's breakdown yet, but I have seen multiple highlights, and, you know, I, I feel like I kind of got the gist of what was happening um Tanaka's pitch not so sure about that one um it wouldn't make sense you and I were talking about this last night doesn't really make sense for Tanaka to have hit Wendell mm. but uh some Yankees fans that I spoke to like I told you they said that there is a chance that it was intentional but I feel like Chapman is a little bit more relevant. And based on what I saw, I absolutely do not think that that was intentional. I don't want to come off as sounding biased. And, like, I'm not very biased when it comes to Yankees. I criticize them more often than I praise them. But that yeah, did not right. look intentional. Yeah, you know that. And you haven't even known me for that long. So, like, 
I really do not think that that was intentional. Chapman, I literally, I sent you that tweet um, and it's been obvious Chapman's like command has not been great. Yeah, per he's Seth very Ro- rusty. Yeah, per Seth Rothman of Yes Network and analytics expert Katie Sharp. I mean, I feel like we all know that. Katie Sharp, she's at the, uh, I believe she's at the Daily News still. I know that she she works she like I feel like she consults I don't know if that's the right word with a bunch of different people like she helps out with talking yanks and stuff too but uh yeah Katie's yeah yeah pre previously River Avenue Blues the the athletic NYC ESPN yeah okay yeah all right yeah Katie Sharp I'm confusing her with somebody else who is at the Daily News but yeah Katie Sharp she knows her stuff yeah, yeah, she's awesome, and she always has, like, really cool analytics to share with everyone. They both said that entering last night, Chapman had thrown more fastballs out of the zone than in the zone. He had thrown 16 out of the zone and 10 in the zone. So I really and, – and, like, apparently you just told me he just got suspended three games. Boone and Cash got one game each. Yeah, uh, I think that's a little absurd. Um, yeah, okay, that pitch was dangerous, and he could have really hurt the hitter. But and, and Chapman has—he's got a short history of throwing it, guys. Look, yes. Oh, like it is. Yeah. So, uh, can, can I add some context real fast? Yeah, of course. All right. So, folks, what happened last night was that um, the Yankees beat the Rays five-three at long last. Uh, they're two and seven against them this year, um, which is another conversation entirely. But. Um, so early in the game, first inning, Joey Wendell, who for some reason was the number three hitter for the Rays, mm-hmm. which Joey Wendell, he's a contact hitter who can hit one to the gap, but he doesn't really have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, so, he, so he's batting number three. And um, for some reason, even though Austin Meadows was on deck and it's an early game where you, where you want to keep the Rays off the board, uh, Tanaka threw inside twice to Wendell and uh, hit him with the, with the second pitch. Yeah. Wendell kind of like, he smiled, took it in stride, went to the base, later said, I have no doubt I was being thrown at. I right. don't think that was intentional simply because it's the first inning of an important game. Mm. A really, re- a slumping but very dangerous hitter in Austin Meadows is on deck. Mm-hmm. Wendell is on, goes to first base, and now you have to take your chances with Meadows, who if you make a mistake, it's 2 nothing. Yeah. So I, don't, so I don't understand how that could have, um, been intentional. Uh, as for Chapman, two outs in the ninth inning, he's facing Michael Brasso, who's into pinch hit. Mm-hmm. Now, Brasso is, has been a thorn in the Yankees' side for a while. He's had some clutch hits against them. And David Cohn asked um, towards the end of the game, hey, is this the guy who was talking trash at James Paxton after the home run? Mm. Now, Brasso, the first pitch he gets from Chapman, it's a 101-mile-per-hour fastball directly over his head. Like, missed his helmet by maybe an inch, maybe Mm -hmm. even less. Goes right back to the screen. Brasso kind of looks back, kind of takes steps out of the box. Umpires confer, and they said, hey, guys, both sides are warned. Mm -hmm. Two outs in the ninth inning, both sides are warned. Which I wouldn't have done it if I was the umpire, but given the history between the two teams, you have to account for that. Right. Yeah. Um, and then now Kevin Cash, to his credit at this point, he did exactly what I would have done. Like both he and Boone were kind of confused and Cash yeah. comes out. And if you look at the breakdown, Cash said to the umpire, hey, 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 no, I'm coming. You can throw me out. It's fine. It's fine. And he just, I have this question. If this were like, earlier in the game, like would that still be a thing? Cause, and he mentions Tanaka. 
And sure enough, Brasso then strikes out swinging on a fastball. Right. Um, that I don't know whether it was in the zone or out of the zone or what have you. Um, but then he strikes out, and then both sides start chirping at each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer said Phil Nevin, the Yankees third base coach, started it. Um, nobody brawled or anything, but and like both benches, I guess, cleared. But it it was kind of over and done with in about two minutes, it seems. Yeah, like I remember because I told you I wasn't watching the game. I got a notification immediately that the benches were clearing. So I thought it was going to be this whole serious thing. But even by the time I turned it on, it was done. So I was like, okay, this was just like a little bit of drama. I did. I was confused. I didn't even know what was happening at that point. But like you said, it it started and ended very quickly. Yeah. And then after the game, Kevin Cash's comments actually pissed me off really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, because earlier when the Yankees were at the trap this year, they said uh, the Yankees were saying, oh, like they were going up and in on us. And Cash is like, oh, we're just trying to win the game. Like he doesn't really answer right. whether it's intentional or not. Right, and right. then he's going after the Yankees saying like, that's not cool. That's dangerous. And then he's like, except for three years ago with the whole CC Sabathia, that's for you, bitch incident. We've never thrown at someone's head. And we're, and I'm just sitting here going, okay, but you just admitted that you threw intentionally. And now that you're, and now you're mad, it's still going on because of what you did. And on right. top of that, he said, oh, well, I got a whole damn stable of guys who can throw 98 miles per hour. Now, Ke- now it's important to note, Kevin Cash's suspension is largely for those comments. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. You do not threaten another team like that in the media. Yeah. That's, don't do it. Yeah. Ka- uh, now, but this is from Sweeney Murdy at WFAN. Ka- uh, Chapman gets three games for, for what he did. And, and, like, I don't get why. And then – Sure enough, Boone got one game. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you, because I wasn't watching, did Boone even do anything? I didn't see anything. I didn't hear, like, I haven't heard his name at all mentioned in this drama. I I don't know. I'm not sure why he got that suspension. And Chapman, like, I don't think he should have been suspended at all. But if you want to give him a suspension, I really don't think it should have been north of one game. I think three is excessive. Give, give him one, maybe two. Yeah, like maybe two. Yeah. Because also Chapman, even if it was intentional, it doesn't make sense to me. You're up 5-3 with right. two out in the ninth. Why are you bringing the tying run to the plate? Right, exactly. I mean, here, I'm, I'm going to look up the box score last night as to who would have been up after, after Brasso. Because I can't imagine it was anybody, anybody of note in particular. Yeah, after Brasso... Okay, after Brasso, you would have had to face Willie Adamas, who had three hits last night, including a home run. Yeah. They, I yeah. Think, I think that MLB is reacting to, um, to it being a COVID season and how they really don't want this kind of stuff happening. Yeah, but I guess he, that makes sense. Because do you remember what they said before the season began, that, like, this stuff would not be tolerated? Yeah. So it yeah. could be that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then cashed it. Oh, it's poor coaching. It's poor things. So he's mm-hmm. like really dissing Boone in the press. And then Boone said, like, I'm not going to talk about that right now. Like, like a lot of people were saying, oh, Boone should go in hot, but no, he's kind of he kind of did the Joe Torre thing, and right? Said, and said, like, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to talk about that. Not right. Now. I really, I really, really don't understand the Boone suspension. Like, I really, really don't. That's really weird to me. But whatever. At least it's, it's just a game. It's probably a matter. It's probably a matter. And yeah, and he's going to serve it tonight. And he, it's probably yeah. just a matter of the league saying, hey, keep your guys in order. Yeah, that's yeah. That that's what makes the most sense because he doesn't seem like he did anything. But um, 
Yeah, the Rays are just trying to I, – I will say this, though. Everyone is predicting that tonight is going to get ugly. I am a little concerned about injury because the Yankees cannot afford to get hurt. It's uh, That's very interesting they bring it up because on the pitching matchup alone, I have a weird feeling that any aggression is going to come directly from the Rays. Because Jordan Montgomery, he – yeah, I mean, he, he's upped his velocity, but he's an off-speed guy. Yeah. Charlie Morton, we know, can gun it up to 95, 96. Mm-hmm. So it's true. So tonight's going to be very chippy for sure. Uh, the Yankees, they, yeah. they have a lot of injuries, but uh, Boone just said Glaber Torres is going to head to the alternate site as soon as this weekend, maybe even before. I mean, we were going to get to injuries later, but I guess we can, we can just do that now since we're already on the subject. Um, yeah, uh, because yeah, um, with the trade deadline, there really, nothing really happened. It, I had a feeling. No, that, that's what I was going to talk about because I know at least I, I, we didn't. What were you saying? I didn't say anything. Oh, sorry. The, the, the feed was weird. I yeah, think. yeah, Zoom's acting up today. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, I was going to say, I know a bunch of like my friends were mad that the Yankees didn't really do anything uh, at the deadline. Well, what did you, what do you think of what, like, did you want them to do something or what? I mean, obviously I would have loved for them to acquire an arm, maybe an infield bat, but I, I knew ahead of time the market was going to be weird, especially in a COVID yeah. season because teams right now, they're already losing money from not having fans. Yeah. They're not going to want to take on someone who they're going to have to pay more next year or like mm-hmm. possibly like worry about resigning. So they, so teams like the Rangers and the Angels, they were rightfully like, we're not giving up Lance Lynn. We're not giving up Dylan Bundy unless you pay us a King's ransom. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved to have Lance Lynn because he did pitch well as a Yankee the first time around. He was with us. Yeah. Um, but apparently they were asking for Davey Garcia. And after the way he pitched, I don't want to get rid of him at all. I mean – no, I'll be honest. I'm not going to judge a player on one appearance, even though I loved what he did. And I think that Garcia, um, if it, it's the right player, I would be willing to include him in a trade package. But they were asking – Cashman said this. He was like – the majority of teams were asking for like at least two of like Garcia, Schmidt, Frazier – Um, A lot of teams were asking for Dominguez as well. Um, So I kind of get it. I am a a little bummed because we do need a lot of pitching help. But, you know, I I don't want a prospect hug. But, like, Dominguez, for example, not someone I'm willing to get rid of. Yeah, yeah, because Dominguez is kind of being hyped in the same way Gary Sanchez was early in his minor league career. Oh my God. I really, yeah. I yeah, hope he's I'll, better, but yeah. I mean, we'll, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll talk about Gary Sanchez in just a of second. Of course. Yes. yes. Um, but yeah, especially with uh, the injuries, uh, <laughs> pitching is key because the lineup has not, the lineup has not performed up to par since everyone got hurt. I mean, yeah. Okay. Let's just, I guess, segue into that. Um, yeah. I just like, I want to do a mini rant without being too aggressive. Cause I've been like, you know, aggressive these past few days. I mean, I, I mean, like, I, I mean, I can't, you want a mini rant. You should have seen the video I posted and then subsequently deleted from Twitter. Yeah. Uh, like, <laughs> um, I'm starting to get like really sick of this to be completely honest. And like my, my, I would say a lot of my friends are very pessimistic about the Yankees. 
mm-hmm. more so than I am too. But like for me, they're starting to make a lot of sense. Like I legitimately do not think that this core is going to win a ring. I really don't think it's going to happen. They can't stay healthy. They don't perform in the playoffs. Like I love Aaron Judge. I love him. I think he's a top player in baseball. I literally, th- I think he's elite. But now I'm starting to buy into the fact that he is injury prone. I think it's like, you know, just a fact at this point. Mm -hmm. And I don't, at this rate, I feel like we give him one more chance to prove that he can stay healthy or like we don't re-sign him. I really, I don't, I don't want this like to be a long-term thing. I think we might be better off giving money to someone else. And then you also like we're paying Stanton as well, who also can't stay healthy Glaber, like, he's had injuries so far in his young career. Um, I don't know. It's just, like, dude, it's, like, frustrating. It's tough to watch. It's very I, frustrating, yeah. Like, yeah, and I really – I don't mean to be a pessimist, but I don't think this core is going to win anything. I know that there's good happening. Like, DJ is back. Yeah. Um, Zach Britton just returned. Glaber is going to be back, which made me feel a lot better. Stanton shouldn't be too far off. All of that's nice, but it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of depressing. Here's what I've noticed with the injuries, both this year and over the years. This year with the injuries, I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I obviously don't know who's in the dugout 24 seven of the clubhouse or how much, or how much he's weighing in. But this guy, Eric Cressy, who we hired to pretty much mm-hmm. revamp the training staff, I know that he's based in California, but I don't think yeah. he's been with the team at all this year. But the, the one face I have seen in the dugout consistently is Steve Donahue, who's yeah. part of the old regime. So maybe in a COVID season, they figure, you know what, let's just work with who we have now and try to incorporate the new methods. But if Donahue's there, I mean, like, I don't know how, how responsible he is for the injuries. But the one thing, Lean, that I've noticed with these injuries is that this team as a whole, whenever Judge and or Stanton goes down, they fall apart mentally. Oh, yeah. Everyone tries to be the guy. No, dude, like, that's, that's like, a huge, huge problem with the team. It and is like, a big problem. It's like – and, and we, the Yankees were always praised for being a deep team. Yes. But, like, if you ever noticed this, too, if you've been noticing lately, and I know for a fact I'm not the only one, Mike Talkman is coming back down to earth – like he has not really been good. Mike Ford is showing like these are these players are showing that they're replacement players. I don't really need to talk about Tyler Wade, obviously. Yeah. Like it's just I don't know how we're supposed to win games when guys like this are expected. Okay, Clint Frazier is doing work, but like, you know, Frazier was always highly touted. He was always held in high regard. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. just these other guys, man. It's well, like, it's frustrating. Mike Ford is a three true outcomes guy, always has been. Yeah. He's someone who has gap power, but on the major league level, just given his age and how he developed as a prospect, he's always going to be that guy who's either strikeout, walk, or home run. Mike, it, it, it's just that because you know how like earlier this season he was like you know his bat was it looked nice like he he was hitting well right yeah but now lately it's literally what you're saying like you know not much of well, anything's well, going yeah. on and, and granted like the analytics guys love three true outcomes just look at how much yeah. they love Joey Gallo on the Rangers right for sure yeah. yeah but for Talkman I mean you and I talk about uh, how this applies to Aaron Hicks a lot this absolutely applies to Mike Talkman and it applies to Tyler Wade too. Mike Talkman is a Aaron Hicks and Tyler Wade are all great contact hitters. Yeah. They are all great at hitting the good spot of a ball and just getting on first base. 
-hmm. the problem with Wade and Hicks. And you know what? We're going to, and Hicks especially, and Wilbur Talkman in here too. Hicks tries to be a 40 home run guy when the Yankees really only need 20 to 25 out of him. Yeah. Mike Talkman, I think that he kind of got a big head of himself after last year. And he's trying yeah. to, he's trying to get, go to the gap every time when he just really needs to get on base. But Tyler, can I ask Tyler you this Wade though? Overcompensates up the wazoo. Let me ask you this though. Cause like, Okay, Hicks is a little different because, like, he's a starter for us. Whatever he's been around, we know what he can give us. And Tyler Wade just flat out is not a very good baseball player. He's, and he's, he's not Exactly. But with Talkman, do you not think that he, like, last year was a fluke? Because Talkman was never good. He just came to the Yankees, kind of balled out, and now it's kind of looking like that was a fluke year. I will give him the defense. He's a, he's a great glove. Yes. But, like, hitting-wise, I'm really starting to think – I like him, but I'm starting to think that, you know, it was just a fluke thing. That's I don't know. That's a really good question because I remember when Mike Talkman was acquired, it was, it was towards the end of spring training last year, if I yeah. remember correctly. Yeah, yeah that's got right, him, yeah. Got him from the Rockies for what amounted to a bucket of balls and, and a cheese right. sandwich. I think that, yeah, Cashman said, oh, like, why Mike Talkman? And his response was, we heard that the offense might be voidish. Right. As, as in Luke Voigt. Now, you, yeah, remember, yeah. now um, you remember when Luke Voigt came over from the Cardinals for Giovanni Gallegos and Jason Shreve, he was a nobody. He's like, wait, who the hell is this guy? Okay, right. he's done well in the minors, had a cup of coffee in St. Louis. Why are we trusting him with first base when we're, like, are we that desperate that we're trusting an unknown? Right. And now, like, this is actually a good transition. Luke Voigt has been the most consistent hitter on the Yankees in the absence of LeMayu, in the absence of Torres, yeah. while Judge and Stanton are gone. And I think that if you can take that kind of offensive production but put it into an outfielder, that's an even more valuable asset to have. No, of course. It's just that yeah. for me, like, I don't know. Like, just because we got lucky with Voight doesn't mean that – like, what are the chances that that happens again? You're, you absolute, know? you're absolutely right. Yeah. But given how Brett Gardner's bat speed is, has apparently gone the way of the Dota oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Mike Talkman is – he's like a slightly more athletic Brett Gardner in terms of the kind of player he is. Yeah. I think that the Yankees are thinking, you know what? We'll throw something at the wall, see uh, see if it sticks. Yeah, Cause, like we're because we're banged up. I I remember from uh from Boone's first year as manager. I think it was uh, around this time of year, early September. We hadn't been playing very well at all, and yeah. everyone was just kind of calling on him to get mad at the team. And he just and he just kind of says it's the press guys. Look how banged up we are. Yeah. Now that said. A team's a very deep team's performance should not hinge upon the presence of one or two hitters in the lineup. No, this team has to learn how to how to play and win without Aaron Judge. They have they do know how to win without Aaron Judge. In fact, let this past week before I wrote my Sanchez on what on Gary Sanchez, I was saying this team has forgotten all about next man up. Yeah. They, they, they have forgotten, hey, we've dealt through adversity injuries before. Just because it's a shortened season, we shouldn't like, let it get us down. Now, granted, because it is a shorter season, there's more pressure. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you got to learn to refocus and not just kind of try to do too much from the start. Luke Voigt, he's, he's pretty much the star in the lineup. And, yeah, he's mashing the ball, but he's also just trying to get a line drive, get a base hit. Right. He's not trying to force a home run or force no, a it's big hit. Like, right before DJ came back, literally what you're saying is, is so perfect. It was as if Luke Voigt was the only player trying to just do something. Like, not even just trying to mash the ball, just trying to get something going on this offense. I guess you can kind of throw Clint Frazier in there as well. But, yeah, it was mainly – this is a Luke Voigt show, you know. 
and that's just like i don't know that's a huge problem yeah i'm just i'm very very happy that even though glaber was absolutely abysmal before getting hurt i'm very happy that he's coming back and i'm hoping that his bad performance was because he was hurt well he was also starting to turn things around right before he got hurt no that is true so that's a good sign but um you know, I'm still grateful he's coming back. I really hope Stanton doesn't suffer any setbacks because we also, like, the Yankees really need him back as well. Um, I don't know. So. Yeah, I mean, Stanton, he's running at about 80% right now. He's taking yeah. live batting practice. He's running. Um, Gary Sanchez. Yeah, let's like, talk about him. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how Gary Sanchez, how he's shaping up to be a three true outcomes guy. Um, and he's still working some really good at bats. I looked at his Fangraphs page. He is simply trying to do too much, and Paul O'Neill oh, agrees with me. Yeah. There's something off mechanically. His line drive rate is way down. Yeah. His soft contact is also down. He's trying too hard to hit a home run every time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with Gary, um, I mean, he's definitely – I think I would say he looks a little bit better than he did to start the season, but it's still not really what you want especially with, like, the catching situation that the Yankees have. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Are, are you, like, are you concerned about him? Minorly, and I'll tell you why in a second. I'm minorly concerned about Gary Sanchez because, first off, he's not getting any younger. He's, what, like 27 right now, something like yeah. that? Yeah. And he also only has a couple years of arbitration left. Mm-hmm. And his prime free agent years are coming. Now, First off, this isn't – yeah, he's 27. He's 28 in December. Yeah. This isn't me saying the Yankees have to move on from Gary Sanchez. I said in my article that went up um, a couple days ago, the only immediate improvement the Yankees would get at the position would be if they non-tendered him at the end of the year and then went completely for broke on JT Real Muto. Yeah. And that's not going to happen. I think Real Muto likes it in Philadelphia – I think he's going to stay in Philadelphia or at the very least in the National League. Anyway, I'll be honest with you. I don't even want JT Real Muto. I think he's amazing, but um, I'm not interested. He's probably going to get the biggest contract in, uh, for, for a catcher in history. Yeah. And I am not interested in signing a 30-year-old catcher to that, especially since, like, first of all, he's kind of injury prone. Second of all, catchers don't, you know, catch for very long. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. And not just that, like the Yankees, they owe it to themselves to stick with Gary Sanchez because in the minors, they got Anthony Siegler, who's a switch hitter. He yeah, can be good. Yeah, my guy. He's, uh, not, pl- he's yeah. not playing this year, but we at least yeah. owe him another shot. And then I'm still uh, high on him. Yeah, I like him I'm, a lot. Well, yeah, because I think he, I think, I remember seeing he can also pitch. So we're kind of like just kind of playing. He can do like that. everything, dude. Switch hitting, switch pitching, uh, switch throwing. Right, I, for, right, I yeah. forgot about, I forgot about the switch pitching. But awesome. on, top, yeah. on top of that, uh, the Yankees also just drafted Austin Wells, who was a catcher in, um, who was a catcher yeah. in college. And they're kind of looking at him as a first baseman outfield type. But if Gary Sanchez's struggles continue, you have to figure, you know what, give him some reps of catcher, see what happens. Right, yeah. So, I don't know. It's like you said, I don't think there's like an imminent crisis with, with Gary, and the Yankees have basically made that clear. But um, I do think that the leash is getting a little bit shorter with each. The leash is getting shorter. I'm taking solace in that he is – he's having some good at-bats. It's not like he's going out and striking out on three pitches. Right, right. He's done an amazing job of laying off that outside slider. Yeah. That tails down in a way. 
Uh, and a lot of it, I said this in the article, has to do with Babbitt as well. He yeah. hits the ball very hard and sometimes it's just right at the guy. I, right. think his, I think his average BABIP over the last three years is, is south of 200. Mm-hmm. So he, if he's doing everything right, making good contact with the ball, there's only so much he can do in this age of analytics, of shifts, of positioning, yeah. if the ball goes right into somebody's glove. Like, that's not his fault. Yeah. 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 I'm with you there. Um, I don't know. I just like, and his bat is going to become even more valuable once the Yankees get to the playoffs. So really, really hoping that he can figure it out. It's, um, it's also worth noting about Gary Sanchez. If you look throughout his career where he's like not leading up to this season and you see it, especially last year and uh, in the 2017 season, he's a good player and he, and his whole season always get, gets kind of derailed by one bad month. He always no, that's, has that's true. And that's then after that, he, and then after that, he kind of gets back on track. Yeah. No, so, I, I hope so. I mean, but that's the thing, though. He hasn't really been good all season. He really so, has Yeah. He's not seeing the ball very well. Yeah, yeah. I hope that does change, though, like towards the end of, you know, this, this season so that he can be in good shape going into October. But um, let's, uh, let's talk about Garrett Cole real quick. Oh, the struggling Garrett Cole. All right, so I just want to say something, and I don't want to get dogged for this because a lot of Yankees fans are saying this, but they're being irrational about it. Like, as soon as the Yankees gave Cole that contract, I've mentioned it on the show before, so, like, I'm not lying. I wasn't too crazy about the contract, and I, I love that we had Cole, but didn't really like the contract, was a little concerned, and I just always had a gut feeling that he's not really going to live up to it. Um, So far, that would definitely be the case, but he's only made eight starts. And like, I feel like we all as a fan base need to relax because first of all, home run ball, always a problem with Garrett Cole. We've always known that. Not just Garrett Cole, any pitcher that is a, that is a fastball pitcher. No, of course. Yeah. And, um, also, like, Cole, within the same amount of starts last year, had, he was worse. Like, his numbers were literally worse. So, for some reason, he just starts off seasons badly. Um, I think that he is going to get better as the season progresses, and I think he'll be okay in the postseason. Uh, yeah, I just, no like, I still do, like, have a little bit of concern in the long run. I think the deal is not going to be great. I don't know. I don't know about you, but um, look in terms of the money. Would I have gone north of three hundred million? Probably not. Yeah. But that's just that's just the market today. So nine years, three twenty four. I just I have I just kind of made peace with the fact that he was going to yeah. cost over three hundred million. It just, it just kind of hurts my heart, you know, when you like think about stuff like that, and it's just like oof, like that kind that hurts. You know what I mean? It's like. I don't know. I'm just scared that in the long run, it's going to prevent us from signing other players, but it's a valid concern uh, for sure. But maybe a new CBA will change that. Uh, Brendan Cuddy of NJ.com, who's a great Yankees beat writer. Mm -hmm. He explored uh, today. What's wrong with Garrett Cole? He talked to, Oh really? Yeah. He talked to uh, John Flaherty and Ken Singleton, both at yes network four MLB scouts and a league executive, all five of whom spoke on condition of anonymity. Um, John Flaherty, he said, he uh, says, if you go back to 2009 when CC Sabathia came to the Yankees, Cole's numbers at this point are similar to how CC started out. So there's a long way to go here. That transition to becoming a Yankee and a big time free agent takes a little time. 
But with all that being said, and I'm guilty of this, we all expect Cole to be perfect every day. And that's just not going to be a reality. Yeah. And he, now he's perfectly, he's 100% on the mark there. On his podcast, CC has talked about how much of a process it is just moving to this area. Now, granted, yeah. Garrett Cole and his wife, Amy, they live in Greenwich, Connecticut, uh, just down the road from Aaron Boone. So they're pretty settled in their place right now. But on top of that, this is a COVID season and Garrett has a two-month-old son at home. Yeah. That's got to weigh on you, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course. I think yeah. so, too. Um, yeah. I, I'm saying, everything I'm is saying weird. this is someone who has a kid on the way. It's terrifying. Right, right, right for sure. I mean, yeah. everything is weird. It's a weird season. want to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, hopefully. But I do want to say this, though, to all of the Yankees fans who tried to say that Cole is even kind of as good as uh, Jacob deGrom – you need help. That's all that I will say. Uh, I mean, they're two completely different kind of pitchers, but yeah, I can see where you're coming from. What do you mean? That's a, that's a, everyone compares them. Are you serious? Everybody compares. Do you remember when, when the Yankees signed Cole and they were like, yeah, like the best pitcher in baseball uh, in uh, New York, whatever, whatever. And it's uh, posturing. Uh, Ken Singleton added back to Cole. Ken Singleton added, he's not making as good pitches with his fastball. They're getting hit. Maybe he's occasionally gotten to predictable counts where hitters can look fastball. Everyone else talks very much the same thing and adds in tipping. Lean, I watched Cole the other night. I 100% believe he is tipping his fastball. He is, yeah, because he's. Yeah, he, he could be, yeah. It just seemed like he was rushing his delivery. He was trying to work too quickly, trying to, trying to kind of like overwhelm and overpower. But when you're, when you're a fastball dominant pitcher and you're looking to overwhelm and overpower, an aggressive team like the Rays, they're going to know the fastball is coming. Yeah. And sure yeah. enough, they did. The Braves, sure. And the Braves, they, they uh, jumped on him not locating his fastball and some of his breaking pitches. Yeah, for sure. He's been yeah. hanging a lot of pitches up in the zone, and it's, it's not, he hasn't looked good. Just call it how it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, now, now, that said, he is a conscientious guy. He knows that he's in a funk. He yeah. says, like, I'm aware of it. I'm working on everything. And I think that... Because you noticed in the, against the Rays, uh, after they started hitting the fastball early, he started shifting to the slider and the changeup a bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that once he and Matt Blake figure out what's going on with the, with the fastball, they'll then say, okay, let's change our approach. Let's figure out who these hitters are, what they hit well. They're going to be aggressive and jump on your fastball like the Rays are. How do we keep the fastball down? What's his next start? Who is he? Uh, um, you know? I, based on the math, it'd be in Baltimore. Uh, this weekend I don't think he's gonna yeah because he pitched on yeah he pitched Monday so Tuesday yeah he'll probably pitch one of the yeah he'll be in Baltimore this weekend that's his name. yeah it, it is it is Baltimore I think on Saturday he's gonna pitch yeah um I mean that that's hopefully that that should be a good start for him to try to work on getting back on track so yeah because like Baltimore they've like minorly overachieved this year yeah but um but yeah it's definitely time to uh kind of right the ship he, need, he needs a good confidence boosting start of course yeah that that's 100 percent true um think real quick last yankees thing should talk about uh clint frazier he last time we recorded an episode he wasn't here so i think we should discuss the the good that he's done Two weeks off does things to a radio show doesn't it oh yeah it's crazy um yeah how dare we I, have lives outside creating content for all you <laughs> wonderful people Right. Um, uh, first thing, like, you know, I've, I'm, and you roast me for this all the time. I've always been like super, super harsh on Clint Frazier. 
this year, first of all, he's shown that he's matured a lot in the way that he speaks and the way he carries himself. Yeah, he's um, he's he's not trying so hard to be a Yankee. He's just going out and playing. Yeah, exactly. And he's yeah. been um, his bat has been crucial. It, and, it's cooled off as of late, but I I really yeah. appreciated what he did the other day because um, a lot of the times he was trying to you know drive the ball get to the gap. Yeah. Yesterday, and this was ahead of Gio Rochella's big hit. He said, "Okay, there's a hole on the right side. Let me just kind of with a two strike mm-hmm. hand. Let me just let, let me just slap the ball that way." And he does, sure. and he practiced what this entire team has been missing. Exactly. With with uh, Judge and Stanton gone, he did situational hitting. Right. Right. As I was yeah. saying before, we were talking about Luke and how he was like the only guy doing that. And I mentioned Frazier as well. Like Frazier, okay, sometimes he tries to do too much, but like you just mentioned, he is able to recognize when like situational hitting is important. Yeah. And that's really good. And honestly, his defense, he, he's made like multiple highlight reel catches so far, which is really yeah. nice. Oh God, that was, he made one last night. That or, was amazing. Yeah. yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, look, if the deal is worth it, I would think about trading Frazier. But like, if he does end up sticking around, I won't be super mad. If he does get playing time, that is, I don't want to hear any of that. You know, option to the minors. You know. Yeah, whatever. I mean the the way I the way I see it, Brett Gardner isn't going to be back next year, even if he decides he wants to play. I don't see how the Yankees bring him back yeah. um, because he's been a complete liability at the plate, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, and then I think that you can have a almost a three-way competition between Frazier, between Talkman, between Esteban Florial uh, for that left field spot. So do you just not see Giancarlo Stanton like in left at all? Um, the, I think that if you want to get him a game out there every once in a while just to keep his legs fresh, that's fine. But given how many leg injuries he's had as a Yankee and with his first year, he was playing on one leg essentially with a bad String. Right. I think it's best just get him in the DH in the DH slot and protect him at all costs. He's too yeah, good a hitter. And he's yeah. and now that now that he's been hurt as a DH, just running this bases at the stupid Tropicana field, it's just like you know what? Just keep him in the DH. Keep him in the DH. Don't don't give him a reason to get hurt. No, at this point, like, I completely agree with that. It's crazy how things change in such a short span of time. At the beginning of the season, we were talking about how, you know, there's the problem with Stanton versus Andujar at the DH spot. Andujar's hot garbage right now. I have lost all faith in him. It's sad, yeah. And, like, obviously, you know, I'll I'll take, you know – criticism for this I was very high on Andujar and I really when people were talking about potentially trading him I really didn't want him to be traded in hindsight that seems to have been a mistake we probably should have gotten rid of him but I was I was high on Andujar myself but I was also like look if if trading him means getting someone like Jacob deGrom or Max Scherzer that I'm not gonna oh of course that's different yeah Yeah, but like in basically any other situation I did not want him to be yeah but four percent walk rate as a rookie and I I made this observation uh to myself a couple days ago Miguel Andujar he's the Russell Westbrook of baseball he has one gear he has one go he either goes all the way tries to tries to smack the ball to the gap or over the fence and that's it yeah he has no concept of situational hitting he's like i'm here to i'm here oh, because absolutely. i, I yeah. got i i am a name because i have power i will continue right. to be a name because i have power right. and now he's in the minors and like i can tell you right now cashman might not tender him this year 
Yeah, no, the I would not be. Yeah, he's he's probably gone, unfortunately. As he should be. Like I was, I was talking to my friend Max, who uh, is a big analytics and sabermetrics guy, and was long before any of us. And I remember, like, I was texting him uh, and another friend of ours. I said, "Look, and Duhar is just terrible," and and he just says, "God, he yeah, he's so god awful. I don't understand why everyone likes him. Why everyone likes him so much." Hmm. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's sad, but I mean, this is the silver lining in that is that, you know, Stanton can like, the the Yankees can comfortably have Stanton as the full-time DH without feeling that they have another talented hitter who's not getting enough plate appearances. Yeah, and and this way, and this way you can kind of, uh, by putting him in left or right field, you can just kind of rotate the DH slot. So if if a judge or, uh, or Frazier ever need a half day. Yeah, no, no, of course. Yeah, especially Judge, since clearly he, he gets hurt easily. So, yeah, that's I true. Mean, I mean, look, the Yankees, they're going through some tough times now. Um, back to what you said about them not being able to win a ring. I think this team can still win a ring. I just don't think it's going to be this year. I think oh, no, that There's no way they're going to win this year. If, yeah, they, if they're going to win this year, they're going to have to go on a hot streak that probably starts this weekend and carries them all the way through the postseason. And yeah, those kinds of streaks are just so rare. I Especially, don't... dude, because, like, they're so hurt right now. Like, that's yeah. so unlikely. Yeah, you are correct, though. I agree with you. Um, I know. I just think there's a lot of work to be done in right. the offseason, too. They need pitching help. They really, really need pitching help. Well, offseason right, right now. So, they're, they're pitching staff that's locked in for next year. You got Cole, you got Severino, and you got Montgomery. That's three spots that are spoken for. Yeah. And and now consider that Severino's probably not going to be back till June or July because of Tommy John. Right. So that, that opens up two spots. And then you have Davey Garcia. You have um, you have Clark Schmidt. Uh, if for whatever reason he's still on the roster, and I know that neither of us kind of wants him around anymore, there's Domingo Herman as an option. Yeah. So, um, so like, it's not like the Yankees need to go uh, go to the market or make a trade. To but Josh, that's the thing, though. And, Tana- like, and Tanaka could be re-signed. The you Yankees are in a win-now situation. And, like... I mean, aren't they always? Davey... But, like, it's, like, a super win-now. Like, I, I actually think this window is closing. And I feel like... So I do, you just mentioned Tanaka. I'm actually pretty confident that Tanaka is going to come back. So you have that. And then. It has to be at a discount though. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm not paying Tanaka 20 million a year. Yeah, no, no, no. That's just, I completely agree with you there. Um, the thing is though, like, okay, you just said a bunch of names. Domingo Herman is incredibly overrated. And I don't think he, I totally do not feel comfortable with Herman pitching a game in like the world series. You know what I mean? Like, absolutely not. Davey Garcia looked outstanding in his first start, but we still don't know what we have there, especially last year with his almost six ERA and the minors. See, Clark uh, uh, that was no, the, the six ERA that yeah. was only at a triple A. The ERA across the minors was, was like in the low fours. No, I know, but like yeah. you, you still don't know what kind of a pitcher he is. You know, obviously we have a really right. great in his first start. I was so happy at that, but still, don't really know what you have. Clark Schmidt, same thing. We totally don't know what we have there with him. So I don't know for a team that's like trying to win like this season, next season, whatever. I I think it's not really rational to just bank on these guys that you don't really know what you're getting out of them. 
you know, it's yeah. But at the same time, you we're don't not wanna, the Mets. It's it's not the yeah. Mets. But at this yeah. But at the same time, you don't want to just pump a bunch of money into free agency and then have another AJ Burnett, Mark Teixeira situation on your hands. I mean, if there's that's the thing. Uh, I'm kind of forgetting now who like the free agent pitchers are gonna be. But if there are good pitchers, like they need to go for them. I'm gonna, Aaron, I'm, gonna be I'm, pulling, I'm pulling it up right now as to who's going to be on the market this year. Trevor Bauer is one of them, but he and he's made it pretty clear he um, only wants to sign one-year deals, and the Yankees yeah. won't sign him anyway because he and Garrett Cole don't get along. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of his anyway, like pitching-wise, even. So that's. Um, fun. I actually kind of like Trevor Bauer. He's having a good year, but like I think career-wise, he's overrated. I've always thought that. He's uh, having a great year, though. Okay, yeah. Lean, I'll tell you right now, besides Trevor Bauer, the pitching market in free agency this year is terrible. Yeah. I would, I, I mean, I would explore trades as well. Uh, All right, well, then, look, but, then look, uh, let's look and see who's next year. Okay, Marcus Stroman is the big name this year. He's the big pitching name on the market. Uh, yep, did I lose you? Oh, yeah, you're back. No, I got you. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, Zoom's weird today. I know, it's so bad. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Sorry so, about that, guys. Yeah, Marcus Stroman is the big name. Then you got Jake Arrieta, Cole Hamels, Tanaka, Paxton. You go to next year, and there's a lot of big names on the market, but there are also some, there are also very old names. Like, just on the market next, uh, next offseason, as, as in after the 2021 campaign. Yeah. Zach Granke, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer. Yeah, these are all the old guys. Yeah. These, these are guys who can pitch, but again, they're old. Yeah. And, then you, and then you push that uh, forward another year to 2023. Uh, so after the 2022 season, again, same thing. David Price, Chris Sale, DeGrom could be a free agent at that point. Mm-hmm. They're like the, the best free agent who's under the age of 30 that year is Jose Berrios. Right. Followed by okay. Zach Eflin. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I like both those guys. I'm not sure I necessarily want to commit to a trade with them. Oh no, for sure. Yeah. I'm not a huge Zach F1 fan, and Jose Berrios. I think he's good, but I don't. Yeah, like you just said, I don't know if I would trade for him. I don't want to trade a top prospect to the Twins. Right. Off rival. Oh no, that's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, oh, uh, we should move on to the Mets. Lots. Of yes, yes, there. we should. Yeah. The Mets. Uh, the Mets. Uh, there's a new sheriff in town. Sounds like. <laughs> yeah, Steve Cohen won it um well, well, i'm like sure five. to the will pond's dismay but yeah what what was the final bid i i forgot oh i forgot things at two 2.35 billion three five is yeah what i thought yeah okay yeah, yeah. so the, and so the will pond's are gonna um, hold a five percent i mean rate. i i know yeah I know that Mets fans are ecstatic, like actually ecstatic. They don't even care about how much of the how much of a mess the team is in right now. They're just so happy. They, yeah, they just, they just want out of the Will Ponds. Honestly, they they could have they could have sold the team to a brick, like an actual <laughs> red brick, and then they and they would have been happy. <laughs> no, no, that that's not even an exaggeration. They're just so they, happy to be done with the Will Ponds. They could have sold to my apple that I'm eating right here. Oh, rising apple, the Mets shout out. Okay, they're gonna buy the apple in the air. Great. Oh my gosh. Sorry, no, for, that, sorry for my chewing, everybody. <laughs> no, no, that's, um, that's a super good point. They're just so happy to be moving on from the worst owners in baseball. Yeah, it, God, and I'm a Knicks fan. I think the, I think the Dolans are bad, or the, the Wilpons are bad. Yeah, they are. Uh, 
Um, but yeah, even though like there's good news in that regard, the Mets are a complete mess right now. Like absolute debacle. Yeah, I mean, um, all these moves reek of the Wilpons and um, oh yeah, the and Brody Van Wagenen. They're like, you know what? We're out of here anyway. Let's just burn the whole thing to the ground. Yeah, like that makes no sense. Um, I don't know if you saw that. So with um, so for if, if if our listeners don't know, the Mets acquired at the deadline they acquired Todd Frazier and Robinson Chirinos from the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. and they acquired Miguel Castro from the Baltimore Orioles. Um, so for Frazier and Chirinos, they actually they both like they could stick around next season and they both have buyout options so literally what you just said definitely reeks of the will ponds <laughs> just like want to leave a mess behind them yeah and they and they didn't exactly they didn't exactly give up nothing to get them right like there was... so i was gonna get to that miguel castro of the orioles he is having he's 25 yeah. and he's having the best season of his career so far but the Mets gave up one of their best prospects in Kevin Smith to get him. Uh, Kevin Smith was actually last year's minor league pitcher of the year. Uh, yeah, I remember we've talked about him before. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, one of their best prospects, people were even thinking that he would make an appearance with the team this year. Um so, like, again, Castro is definitely much more beneficial to the Mets than Frazier and Chirinos are. But still, like like you just said, they didn't give up nothing to get him. I don't understand the move because the, the only way I could see this panning out for the Mets or see, or what, what their mindset the Castro would be. move, Josh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the, the only reason I can think of that's even moderately justifiable, and even then it's kind of dicey, Oh, like he's a six foot seven uh, Dominican flamethrower. Uh, let's trade for him and try to turn him into a closer. Yeah. Okay. No, no, I was gonna say that he is a clo- closer. He sometimes like closes for them. I mean, he he has seven career saves and only has one this year. Right. Um. So that's exactly what I'm thinking. And I actually read some other articles, like some writers said the same thing, and they think the Mets are gonna use him as a closer. I don't know if you heard this. Jeff Passan of ESPN, he said that, this is quote-unquote, Edwin Diaz, Mets want to trade him, no one wants him, end of story. I really do think that the Mets are starting to give up on Diaz as a closer and that they're going to want to turn Castro into, like, their their permanent closer. I think that that actually makes sense. And honestly, that might be the better move. Well, yeah, because especially in a COVID season, other executives are going to look at at Edwin Diaz struggling and say, why should we give up anything for him when the Mets can just non-tender him at the end of the year and then we can scoop him up for nothing? Yeah, that, no, 100%. Yeah, but Edwin Diaz... I guess, yeah, speaking of which, what what are your thoughts on him? I mean, I've discussed my thoughts on on Edwin Diaz on on the podcast before. I think that Edwin Diaz is a very talented young arm who just can't pitch in New York. Yeah. I mean, look, I won't even say New York because when he's been used this season, especially recently, outside of the closer role, outside of, like, safe situations, he's actually been really good. Like, really good. 
So yeah, I don't – just move him to, like, the eighth or seventh inning or whatever and put Castro in as your closer. Obviously, Familia is having a dreadful year. Mm-hmm. And um, I actually wrote this, like, we could talk about it later, but we may as well talk about it now. Don't know how much attention you've been paying to him, but Delm Batances is awful. He was just placed yeah. on the IL. Yeah, yeah with a, with a, a lat problem, right? Yeah. Yeah, because – I said this um, on Saturday the, when he threw the wild pitch to to win the game for, uh, for to lose the game. Yeah. I, first off, his velocity's down. Yeah. And sure. Dylan Batances, he's someone who has already always relied on a 99, 100 mile per hour fastball that pairs mm-hmm. well with a slow curve. Yeah. But when you're only throwing 95, all of a sudden, then say, oh, 95 mile per hour fastball that's easier to read coming out of his hands. Right. And probably. anything else, it's going to be either a curve or maybe a slider. Which yeah. Which throw that much. Yeah. So, Dylan Batances, I, I also don't know what the Mets are thinking pitching him in the ninth inning because as a Yankee, his career ERA in the ninth inning was at or about four. But, Josh, you have to think about it this way. That's, like, a super good point. And I even told you when we were um, predicting, like, how the Mets would use their bullpen arms this year, I even told you I think – uh, I thought that of Diaz, Familia, and Batances, Batances should be the third option as a closer. Yeah. Um, but, like, you have to think of it this way. As we know, Diaz has been awful in the ninth inning, and Familia has just been awful, period. So I feel well, like they didn't have another – Going back to Diaz, though, I wonder how much of his stroke – because, first off, he it's not like he was a great closer for the Mariners and then all of a sudden became terrible. Yeah. Part of me wonders if – just the atmosphere of the Mets clubhouse is that toxic that it's messing with some guys. I really, really don't think so. Cause I think the Mets have one of the best team chemistries and like, you know, camaraderie, I guess of like, you know, the majority of teams. Okay. Yeah. Lean that lean. That's valid. But at the same time, I think it was, I think it was Michael Kay or somebody else who brought this up. They said when there's an ownership change going around, everyone kind of gets gets edgy and like. Oh, that's what you mean. I thought you meant like teammates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I'm I'm talking. I'm. I don't have any doubt that the Mets players get along with each other. I think that I think that they get along with each other in spite of management. Yeah. Because I think that because management they don't do a very good job of creating a winning and positive environment in the for sure. Um, there, it's kind of all about okay, like we want to win for us, not because it's good for the players. Yeah, yeah, uh, no, um, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and now, and when players have to be around that, uh, and we saw it with Mickey Callaway last year, and we're seeing it this year with the ownership change. Uh, I don't want to bang on Luis Rojas because I think that he that what he's doing, he's just making the best out of a bad situation. And should also, I was actually talking to someone today. I, well, I asked a bunch of people like what they thought about Luis Rojas, and they they made a good point. They were like, it's kind of like the Aaron Boone situation with the Yankees. He, I, they just think that he's taking orders. And like I've watched the majority of Mets games this year. That's what it looks like. I think he just gets orders from the top and kind of just you know goes along. They're but data, that's managers every. Yes, exactly. That's managers in baseball these days. Um, So yeah, I don't think we can blame Rojas, but I do uh, agree to an extent that ownership, like a change in ownership might be messing with his head. Well, yeah, because like all the players, the players go, okay, well, the new owner is going to want to bring in a new GM. The new GM is going to have his own ideas about how, not just what the the staff is going to look like, but what the roster is going to look like. Am I going to have to move my family? Am I going to have to find another apartment? Do I need to not renew my lease? Yeah, there, there's so much to consider and especially trying to deal with that while playing during a pandemic, it's going mm-hmm. away on you. Yeah. Down. 
No, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, I don't know. I just like, I, I just, I personally think that's the best option for the Mets. Just keep pitching Diaz in earlier innings and then try to make Castro the closer. That might, might be in the team's best interest. Uh, the problem with putting Castro as closer is that you're kind of walking into a Fernando Rodney type situation. Because granted, he's only 25 still and there's plenty of time for him to write this. Yeah. But he's got only a 7.2 career case per nine and that's with a 4.6 walks per nine. Walks per nine this year are down to almost three, which would be a career I was say, I think for him. Better. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're looking at such a big guy with such velocity, mm. uh, you got to worry about the control. No, for sure. But I think we've kind of gotten to the point where we realize that Diaz, at least with the New York Mets, is not going to be a successful closer. And your other options, Batantis is on the IL, like we said, and, um, and Familia is garbage. So that might literally be their only option. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on real quick to the Mets pitching Mets rotation. Staff, yeah. So I actually wrote a piece for Rising Apple about this, about how uh, we all overrated the life out of the Mets pitching staff in general, particularly the rotation. I think the fact that Jacob Degrom is the best pitcher on the planet. Yeah. M- you know, masks the other weaknesses of the rotation. Um, Obviously, Noah Syndergaard going out hurt immensely. The situation with Marcus Stroman was bad. But the rest of the guys, like Rick Porcello has looked better. But to start off the season, he was rough. Michael Waka, he's pitching right now, doesn't look awful. But uh, overall has not been good. Steven Matz, I don't think is a starting pitcher. He's I really, not. And, he, and he's, yeah. hurting, he's hurting out too with the shoulder thing. Yeah, exactly. And um, uh, David Peterson, we've talked about him. He has looked nice for some reason. The Mets are, oh my God, what a joke of a team today. No one understands why. They moved him to the bullpen. He's literally your second best starter. I don't know why you're moving him to the bullpen, but. I think yeah. that the Mets, are, the Mets are deciding right now, or, may, or maybe this is coming from Cohen. Mm. Um, as one of his like first like kind of shadow moves as an owner. Um, one thing to consider about Peterson and being moved to the bullpen, I actually looked at his fan graphs page the other night. He's gotten very lucky this season. Mm. He, he gives up a lot of ground balls, but no soft contact. So yeah. the reason he's done well is because the ball, the Mets are just having to field the ball really well behind him. I mean, yeah. our own, our own Kyle Newman basically said the only, like, I swear the only time the Mets play good defense is when David Peterson, Right, right. Um, Uh, But that said, between – and this kind of bleeds right into uh, the next point. Peterson to the bullpen. Frazier's batting cleanup today. Luis Guillorme, Dom Smith, and Brandon Nimmo, they're all benched. Yeah. It sounds like the Mets are tanking, officially. Man, I I feel like they are because there's literally no explanation. Yeah. Especially, like, for me, everything that you just said is so true, but especially for me, David Peterson moving to the bullpen, that was, like, the biggest sign for me because with it's not even a matter of opinion. He's literally their second-best starter, yeah, and really it's is. not even close. Why on earth would you move him to the bullpen? Like, what is the reason? And he just came off the aisle. I was reading an article. I can't remember who wrote it. Like, this is asking for him to get hurt again. This is just not... It's a the good Java move. rules all over again. Like, yeah, that's, I mean, I hope not for the kid, but 
you know. Yeah, knock, knock on uh, yeah, knock, knock on wood. Yeah, yeah, my desk's right here. Knock on the wood. Um, but it really puzzles me that you bench Dom Smith, who a is turn oh, has yeah. turned into a great young hitter this season. Yeah. He's awesome. And, yeah. and B, like he's because of all the the latest round of Black Lives Matter protests in sports, he's kind of. He's kind of America's sweetheart right now. Oh, he, yeah. Like, everyone has early. learned the name Dominic Smith. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. He, yeah. so, folks, I, we'd encourage you to look this up. Um, in wake of, uh, yeah, I guess now this is what we're talking about, like we talked about before the yeah. show. Um, in wake of the shooting of Jacob Blake? Yeah, yes. Right, yeah, yes. Jacob Blake uh, in Kenosha, Wisconsin, sports pretty much had a wildcat strike. Let's just call it what it is. They All sports kind of band together and said, you know what, we're not playing tonight. Like, yeah. we're not going to play for a few days because and i said it before like this is all about acknowledging sports are a privilege the mm-hmm. nba in particular has leaned into the idea you know what we're going to support the players 100 percent on and yeah. off the court and this was this was the athletes telling fans hey like that means you guys too right and so what dom smith did and doc rivers the coach of the los angeles clippers did this as well um gave these press conferences and just and just gave these very raw emotional speeches really showed sides of themselves that we hadn't seen before mm-hmm. saying like, we're just tired, man. Like they're yeah. like, they're talking about fear, this fear, that like, we're just trying to make our way in the world and, and make a living. We're not, mm-hmm. we're not trying to hurt anybody. Of course. Like, why is this so hard to understand? Now, yeah. obviously, obviously we're not going to get into a huge black lives matter debate because we had a whole episode about that. Um, right. ago. But the fact is Dom Smith, even though the Mets are 15 and 21 for the first time in what seems like years, America is looking at the Mets as the New York team, not mm-hmm. the Yankees, the Mets. Yeah. And Dom Smith is a big reason why, not just for his passionate uh, press conference, but for how he's playing. Why are you taking that out of the lineup? Oh yeah. That, of that's course. Such a, that's such a boost. Like why are you right. restricting that to the bench? That's no, right. Literally- for both reasons, like I think yeah. right at this very second, he's the face of the Mets with everything going on, and he's the face of the Mets, and he's also like their best hitter. So it's just none of it makes sense. He should be starting every day. Yeah, I don't Dom, get it. Dom Smith right now, he's batting three thirteen with seven home runs and twenty six RBI. Just kind of came on like a bat out of hell. And yeah, a great ball. I think he Brand- leads the NL in like slugging right now. Yeah, Brandon yeah. Nimmo, two fifty five home runs, ten RBIs. That's par for the course for him. He's doing exactly what Brandon Nimmo. Yeah, does. and like yeah, and Brandon Nimmo gets on base. Like he needs to be in there every day. He's not like I don't know Jake Marisnik or Billy Hamilton or something, a center fielder who doesn't bring much offensive. Yeah, you know. I don't. Mm, I, I just the Mets. It reeks of tanking. The Mets are it, gonna Mets. Yeah, because <laughs> right now they're not in the playoff spot. Looks like they're not going to be in a playoff can, can I tell a real funny mid story real fast? Yeah, go for okay, it. Okay, yeah. Uh, you're actually really going to like this. So uh, my wife, Caitlin, and I, we know another couple, um, whereas um, it, it's their, their boyfriend and girlfriend, they're like, they live together, but they're not engaged. Um, Melissa, I, I'm going to use her name. So, uh, shout out, guys. So Melissa, she's a Yankees fan, but her boyfriend, Rich, is a huge Mets fan. Mm. And so... Saturday, the first game with the doubleheader after the Mets blew that 7-2 lead. Mm. He then sends us – Kalen's right at the table laughing at this right now. He sends us a text that's just him kind of like putting his hand over his forehead and it has the caption, shut up in advance. <laughs> and, then, and 
and Melissa, she goes, wait, like I, w- I wasn't watching. I'm assuming the Mets lost. And I said, you know what? Let me talk trash without actually talking trash. And I said, the best thing I can say is that the Mets basically out-Mets themselves. Oh, yeah. And I'll yeah. just leave it at that. And, and, Rich just, and Rich just went, yeah, that's accurate. <laughs> but yeah, like, no, the, the, the Mets this past, for the past week have, even with like between blowing the lead and the trade and this, that, and the other, the Mets have 100% out-Mets themselves. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's... Yeah. And I, I don't like, say, I'm not saying that to hate on the Mets, but it's like when you develop a reputation for losing winnable games in completely weird fashions. No, like, for oh, sure. Like, <laughs> oh, wild, losing a wild pitch. Oh, have the, have the third out uh, at Tyra Strata trying to get third base. Oh, the throws offline. Andres Jimenez drops it. Right. It's, it's like, yeah, Mets are going to Mets. No, no, this is what I'm saying. Like, we obviously, I would say we're pretty unbiased, even though we're both Yankees fans. Like, we don't really talk smack about the Mets but you know like (laughs) this is just something that everyone knows it's like I'm not not talking trash I'm talking reality right exactly it's simple yeah that's literally what it is I don't know that's just yeah yeah anyway I I am happy for them that they got Steve Cohen no more will yeah I, I think that Steve Cohen um depending on who he picks to be his GM and if he lets the GM and the baseball ops team just kind of run the show and he doesn't take a ham-fisted approach like the Will Ponds. Yeah. I think that um, the Mets, I don't know how long it's going to take them to be a winning team, but they're going to be a better team. Oh, yeah, for sure. Dude, honestly, yeah. like, with, with their core, I, I, I look at the Mets' core way differently than I do the Yankees' core. Like, this is a really good team, pretty young team. I think that their window is just beginning to open. I think that they can become a winning team very soon. After all, going yeah. to we, we thought they would be serious contenders. We're clearly very dumb for that, but, you know. Yeah, but it's also it's, but we were talking about uh, the draft. It's not like Brody Van Wagenen did a bad job in this year's draft. Well, even that, of course, for yeah. sure. Both of his drafts, like, he drafted well this year and last year. Drafted yeah, he clearly well. has an eye for talent, and, yeah, he, and he's clearly not the brightest crayon in the box because if, yeah. if you're getting caught dissing the Wilpons and maybe Rob Manford on a hot mic, then, right. then you got to, like, question, okay, is this someone who I want building a winning team? Right. Um, <laughs> but at the, at the same time, though, the Steve Cohen uh, winning bid, that is the best thing that could have happened for the Mets. Harris and Blitzer, I would have been interested to see had they won just because, like, say what you want about how they manage uh, the Devils, uh, the Sixers, and uh, it's Crystal Palace, right? Yeah. Say what you want about how they manage their teams. They at least have some semblance of knowing what they're doing. I mean, like, at least I I haven't been a fan of how they spend their money. I think they spend money on the completely, like, wrong players. All three teams don't look like they're in a great spot right now. But um, but yeah, yeah I, they're better than the Will Ponds for sure. Yeah, but like, but like, e- even though we 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 may criticize Harrison Blitzer's methods, we know that deep down they have a plan for building a winning team. Whereas the Will Ponds are like, okay, we're gonna spin the wheel, see where it lands. Yeah, no, for sure. I, they 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 Harrison Blitzer they recognize that like spending money is how you win. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's like and. The- like, something like, that the like Wilpons just haven't right because you, you you can disagree with how with how a team's management spends its money yeah but um, at least you know 
Yeah, because like my, my friend Carlos, I was talking to him about all the Everton signings today. He goes, oh, like those are good signings, but they got to they gotta do defense. And I said, no, 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 let, let Carlo do his thing. Let's see what he mm-hmm. does. Right. Because like, right now, Carlo Ancelotti, like to do, delve into some, to- some soccer talk, he sees, okay, I've got two good, stri- two good young strikers in Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Let me get them a midfielder that can feed them the ball effectively and yeah. offer some assistance. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you, you got um, – James Rodriguez, you got uh, Alan, you got uh, Ducure, who are all on their way in. Yeah. And all of yeah. a sudden, it, that's a top 10 midfield. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say top 10. I don't know. I, uh, but so, yeah. Sorry. That, that, that's a, I meant to say, that's a midfield that could translate into a team becoming a top 10 team. That's oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, no, I, I, I will be astounded if Everton don't finish top 10 in the prom yeah, this year. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. uh, um, but anyway, Yankees are knock on wood turning things around. The Mets are. Uh, well, Doing we the opposite, yeah. We all know the Mets, all right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, that's all for today on Yankees Mets Express. You could uh, find me on Twitter at Josh B-E-S-N-Y. And uh, where can they find you? L-E-E-N underscore A-M-I-N, also Twitter. Right. Now, that said, uh, this has been Yankees Mets Express, part of Elite Sports NY, part of Elite Sports Radio, the voice, the pulse of New York City sports. Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman, the god, Black Panther, and the MCU are never going to be the same. Let Shuri assume the mantle. Uh, Did I get everything? Did I leave anything out? I think we're good. All right, great. Thanks for listening, folks. And as always, step back and stand clear of the closing doors.